Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. You can call them what you want. I'm not going to fight with you about that. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You don't understand me. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. You're making the listening face. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. I mean, I definitely am not going to leave my husband. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about how to stop having the same fight. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be useful, Amy. Now that we've been trapped together for 11 months, are you finding yes. yourself having the same fight? This episode was suggested by me because I saw it. For a friend? Yeah, somebody asked us somewhere. I'm like, now that's a good topic idea. And I look forward to finding out how to stop having the same fight. Amy, do you have a friend who's having the same fight with their spouse? The first thing I want to say is that having the same fight all the time is normal and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your relationship. I mean, you would rather not have the same fight all the time, but this is completely normal. It doesn't mean there's something... I'm going to give you a quote. Dr. Mark Borg, he's a clinical psychologist. Sometimes the fact that important issues come up again and again means less about something being wrong with a couple and more about giving whatever the underlying issues that trigger and drive the fights are its due. Amy, two things. First... That's very true. But second, that's not the first thing you want to say, Amy. The first thing you want to say is we have a new segment called Mailbag that we forget about every single week to do. It's actually our second segment of the show. (laughs) Yes, it's always going to be the second segment because it's supposed to be the first thing we say and we always forget. And literally two seconds before we started recording, we were like, let's not forget Mailbag and we forgot it. Mailbag. But let's go to the Mailbag, Amy. Okay. Okay. You want to read us this week's Mailbag? Sure. This week's mailbag, guys, comes from Josephine, who says, I have been listening to your podcast since my daughter was about two. She is now five. The reason your podcast has been so important to me is that I had no mom friends when I first had my daughter. None of my friends had kids or were even close. And I was unable to make mom friends as I was a bit young. You guys were my first mom friends. Mm. Fast forward to two kids later, I moved into a new city with moms my age. Yay. Then the pandemic hit. Your podcast has been so important to me this year. So I wanted to thank you. I actually get excited when it's Wednesday. Your voice gives me joy and makes me feel like I'm surrounded and supported by friends. Now, Thanks, Amy, Josephine. Wasn't it worth it to go to the mailbag to hear those kind words? Yes. Love it. Thank you so much, Josephine. We love hearing from you guys about the podcast. I mean, we mostly love hearing from you when you have nice things to say, but we'll take anything you have to say. Sure. Info at whatfreshlpodcast.com. We'll have to add another segment that's like from the bottom of the mailbag. It's like <laughs> Meg says like too much. <laughs> The bad ones from the bottom. So, I mean, we can have the same fight with our kids as well as our partners if they're older kids. Like, I feel like this comes into play when they're maybe, you know, like 12. Like, you never listen. Yeah. You always this. You never that. It's those kind of fights, not I don't want to brush my teeth kind of fights. I statements, people. I statements. I mean, come on. My mom was a therapist and she would always say, We're, you're only allowed to make I statements. So in a fight, you're never allowed to say, Amy, you stink. I have to say, Amy, I feel that you <laughs> said this thing that hurts my feelings. That stinks. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that you stink. Yeah. That's one technique. I have some techniques. I have some research for you today. I have some techniques. So we're going to figure out, you know, what's happening. Psychologists would say that we're working out our unresolved stuff and we choose partners with whom that feels safe. 
Okay. In other words, like we have a tendency to seek out repetition. Like our brain's like, this is familiar when you start dating somebody. Like, oh, this is familiar to me in these certain ways. And I'm going to get to have another go with this. And I'm going to fix it this time. And let me spend the rest of my life with you so I can have the same fight. I have often heard people say, I believe this is anecdotal, but possibly correct, that your spouse generally represents your unresolved issue with your opposite sex parent if you are in an opposite sex relationship basically the idea that like women marry men like their fathers yeah and that men marry women like their mothers not always true and i'm going to stick to the very very hypothetical in this episode but i think that that is true but in my own relationship i've seen it play out where i'll stick to myself i will have a conflict with my spouse in the ways that i perceive him to be 15% like the fight I used to have with my dad. You know what I mean? Like you go all the way, like you are like this, like "Mm, he's a little bit like this. You perceive him as being like this, but I chase that particular fight. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense for everybody that you're working out some old stuff. Mm -hmm. I often have the fight with my spouse, which is, I love you very much and I married you because of all of these great qualities, but I want to now fight with you for not being an exact opposite version of the person I married. (laughs) Like, let me help you to be further the person you are not and never will be. Yeah, like I definitely, I mean, we definitely have fights sometimes where my husband's like, have we met? I am never going to be that person, you know, where like my husband is incredibly even-tempered. I mean, I've almost never met anyone in my life who is as even-tempered as he is. And I don't think, it's not like he's holding stuff down and like, you know, just putting the baggage in the back of his closet. Like, he's just a very even-tempered dude. Yeah. Similar to my own father, who was smooth sailing. also very even-tempered. And sometimes I long for him when I feel that myself or one of my cubs has been wronged i'm like you need to go punch that person in the face and he's just like have we met that's not my person that's not gonna happen you know (laughs) and i am amazed how often i find that just and the thing is i like the way he is but i also want him to be six other people at the same time have you watched ted lasso on apple tv did we watch the first two episodes last night it's really cute right i really enjoy it I haven't gotten into it yet. Everyone says it's amazing. I'm two episodes in and I'm kind of mad on it, but it's light. I mean, it's light and it's easy. And Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso, who is a sort of happy-go-lucky guy to a fault. And the reason I bring it up is that he's having issues in his marriage that his wife is like, you're such a nice guy and you're so positive all the time. And I just can't stand it anymore. Like, I can't be married to you. And as I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, who would want to be married to Ted Lasso? Like, you'd never fight. He's the nicest guy. He'd always, you know, give you his coat when it's raining. Like, they set up throughout the show that he's the kind of guy who's deeply, deeply kind to every single person that he meets. And his wife is like, yeah, I can't take it anymore. I have to get out of here. (laughs) I mean, I definitely am not going to leave my husband, but like, I get it. You know, I think that the deeply kind thing is... I've been working on a project in another realm of my life. And my thesis statement for this project is you can have anything. This project can be anything, but it can't be everything. Mm. And that's marriage too, right? You can marry any type of person, but you can't marry every type of person. So like my, you know, bartender Irish hothead boyfriend who was, you know, maybe dealing drugs on the side. I didn't want to marry him for a lot of reasons, but I liked that he would like punch anyone in the face who looked wrongly at me. But I can't have that person and also be married to the super kind person I'm married to. You can't have it all. That's right. But sometimes it's fun to fight about. Can we talk about, I have three dynamics for you that are usually in play when we fight. See if these sound familiar to you. Sure. These are Esther Perel. She's a therapist and she... Some of these we've actually talked about in the show before. So when we fight, there's usually confirmation bias at play. Oh, evidence gathering. It's my favorite, Amy. It's one of my favorite pastimes. You gather evidence that reinforces your own beliefs and you can easily disregard the evidence that challenges them. Now, keep in mind, your partner is doing the same thing, right? While you're gathering evidence so are they. She says a confirmation bias gives you an order to your feelings. We'd often rather have a bad order than no order. So it's a story we tell ourselves that our feelings make sense. I'm having a bad day, so it must be 
that my partner doesn't care about me because he never picks his clothes up off the floor. Yeah, and we talk about this all the time. Be careful of your story. This is... This is your story. My husband is an idiot and I am put upon. And so when you think that, that's what you're going to see in every interaction. Yes. And so conversely, my wife is crazy and cares about things that don't matter is what your husband is maybe filling in, you know, in his story. Yes, you're convinced. You're both convinced and only one person can be right. And that's yourself. And that the person sitting next to you with a completely different point of view, completely different set of experiences has to be wrong as opposed to just different. Yes. I like to play something called mind reading. This is when I'm mad about something and then I act it out and the person has to guess like in a game of emotional charades. So then I also get to be mad that they can't guess what it is that I'm mad about. Mm, That sounds like a fun game for just you. Then you can be mad about two things (laughs) instead of one. Yes. I'm just calling myself. I'm calling myself out this episode. That's something I do. No, you absolutely should. And I'm also big on that. Like, I mean... The way I will say my husband and I are in the longest and most stable relationship of my life. And also he's the person I've spent the most time with. And it has been a bit of a revelation to me. I dated a lot and then I got married to my husband and then we moved in together. So, I mean, I really never had the experience of living with another dude. And I'm just constantly shocked by the lack of racing mind, you know, like, I fill in 8 million gaps and he's just like, huh? Oh no, I'm just mad because I dropped something to, you know, earlier this morning. And I have filled in an entire emotional life that just does not exist at all. (laughs) All the time. I'm always doing that. Like, well, he must be thinking this and then he did this. So that must mean this. And it's like, oh no. When they say like, if you could go back and tell your younger self one piece of advice, I often think that my advice would be, the secondary agenda that you are layering on to other people's behavior does not exist at all. That would have saved me a lot of time. Just because you feel something to be true doesn't mean that it's a fact, but it feels true. And the internal machinations that I grant to other people, well, they did this because they this and because they think of me this and because blah, blah, blah. No, they did that because they lost a $20 bill this morning and they're upset about it. Like they, You have no idea the internal machinations of another person's mind and they often have very, very little to do with you. Shocking. This reminds me of the fight that I had with one of my kids about that I have a listening face. Like this kid went to tell me something really important and my inner monologue was like, okay, this is really important. So listen very carefully so you get 100% of this because it might be about Pokemon, but I've been warned that this is important information. And then this kid was immediately like, you're making a listening face, which means you don't listen. When you make that face, it means you're not listening. And I'm not aware I'm making a face. And my inner monologue was actually like, listen extra hard. Don't screw up, mom. But my kid saw it as you see, that's the thing you do and you never listen. And that that can be baffling to be on the receiving end of. But of course, I've been on the giving end of it as well. We have to finish Esther Perel's list because I believe that's is that negative attribution theory that he's got going on? Yeah. Negative attribution theory is another thing that she explains, which is my experience is tied to a situation and your experience is your character and you as a person. So I guess it is negative attribution theory. And how you perceive yourself versus how other people perceive you. And I have this problem a lot because my husband is much more mild-mannered. I tend to go to 11 and then he's like, that was a scary experience. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's just me, you know? Right. That, I'm not really that mad. And he thinks, well, I had a really different experience of that, which was you were really mad and it was really, really unpleasant. She says, Esther Perel says, if I'm treating you poorly, it's because I had a bad day. If you treat me poorly, it's because you're a bad person and you're bad at relationships. That sounds correct. <laughs> sound familiar? That sounds yeah. correct. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with the other things that are at play when we fight. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew, and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a (laughs) pro-aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies, and as soon as they start standing or walking, 
I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. All right, Amy, lay it on me. What else is at play when we fight? All right. See if this one sounds familiar. Okay, so we have confirmation bias and negative attribution theory. The third thing that is at play when we fight is the negative escalation cycle. This is when, Esther Perel says, we incite from a person the very behavior we don't want. Like we get them to yell and then say, there you go, yelling again. She says, there's something in the predictability of this that brings us a defeating certainty, even though it's the opposite of what we want. I'm going to talk until you scream, then I'm going to say, see, you always scream and I can never get through to you. I also think sometimes it's like, I'm going to get to where we're going sometimes. Like I see this with my kids, the way they fight. One of them needles the other one, the other one explodes and oh, here we are in our familiar place. And yeah, it's a tricky dynamic. When I'm on the receiving end of this from my older kids, I find it so baffling and hurtful to be accused of possessing an emotional state that you don't actually possess. But their story is true to them, right? And I feel like you can have a different fight maybe with your partner about like, stop making up that crazy stuff than you can have with your teenager who's just beginning to develop their own sense of self. Well, and that's a huge thing that is different between partner fights and child fights, that your child fundamentally, even your child who's 25, perceives the world as I am a free radical and everyone else is a stationary object, you know, that they see themselves as having the classic thing of like, I have all of these needs and wants and this rich emotional life and I've had this kind of day and that kind of thing, but that mom and dad are constants in this universe. They don't realize that you're also a free radical, that you're also having bad days and difficulties and that they just see you as like the wall that they're bouncing off. They don't see you as, I mean, it always shocks me how old I was when I started realizing that like my mom said something at some point, like that was a huge disappointment in my life. And I mean, I'm going to say I was in my twenties and I (laughs) gasped like, oh my God, my mom has disappointments. Like it's amazing how much you can think of your parent as this inanimate object. Yes. They don't get affected by life. They are mom. 
And so therefore, they're like a scratching post for you, right? When you're a teenager, like I'm the safe discharge location for all their irritability and disappointments. Just go like wipe it on mom. And that's supposed to happen to some extent. So again, it's different when it's a teenager. From everything I understand, it is to be to some extent withstood and gotten through as a parent. Like let it roll off your back. It's ages and stages. It's different when it's your partner. And understanding that they're seeing you with a tremendous amount of confirmation bias. And that yeah. my story about my mom when I was a teenager was my mom is a square and she doesn't understand the unique sparkling diamond that is me that can't possibly fit into her <laughs> loony rules that are not important to anybody. And Man, my confirmation bias was strong. I mean, we fought yeah. all day, every day about exactly the thing of like, you don't understand me. I wasn't meant to fit in your tiny box. I'm too genius, you know. And she was just kind of like, whatever, you know. <laughs> and man, we had that fight a lot. And I think that, yeah, I mean, now I look back and I am I see it so clearly. Like, oh, we both were coming in with our own stuff and then basically, once I got out of the house as a teenager, my mom and my relationship changed completely. Once we had our own space to exist in, we got along phenomenally. There's also the negativity bias that comes into this. This is something I'm putting on the list. We've talked about that a lot in recent episodes, that we are actually wired to seek out negative information more than positive Right, because biological imperative, Yeah, it's better to know that like the leopard den is over there by getting scared by the leopard than it is to be like, this flower tastes really good. Yeah. That's more useful information to your brain, so your brain is attracted to that information. Yeah, like my spouse cleaned up the kitchen last night and left like one pan to soak in the sink. Not the alma pan, a different pan this time. but Different pan. Hmm. This, you know, dubious notion that you have to leave a pan to soak, that you can't just finish cleaning it. And yes, that negativity bias means I grumble to myself over the one pan and not the 14 plates that got cleaned. And you also, this goes back to like attributing an agenda. My husband is the kitchen cleaner in our house. Yes. And often he cleans the kitchen, but then he does not do the final stage to me. Yes. Which is wiping out the sink. So there's no dishes in there, but it's filled with like crumbs and stains and old food. And it's disgusting to me. And my thought when I look at that is... He has targeted me again yes. for this wound. <laughs> and in fact, his point of view, you've done this to me to wound me. Why else would you do something like this? It's only to show me once and for all that you never have truly cared for me. But really, it's like he's like, I'm done, I guess, you know, and the rest of the stuff is gross and it'll just be there tomorrow. I mean, his agenda has nothing to do with me when he leaves that behind. The Knicks are on. That's his agenda, right? The Knicks are on. I'm going to go watch them now. Yeah. And man, that's a huge part of it. And I do feel like that is something we have, my husband and I have both gotten a lot better at. And one of the things that we do, which I think is genuinely helpful, is we name a lot of it. My husband has a hilarious, oh. he's a genius, brilliant mind. But seriously, I'll say, could you grab me my cup of tea off the counter? And he walks into the kitchen and he wanders back out four minutes later. And I say, did you forget the tea you were going to grab for me? Oh, yeah, sorry. But that used to drive me crazy. Again, I used to layer onto that. Like, you don't really care about me because you forgot my tea. No, he is just the nutty professor, you know? I mean, he goes in and he starts thinking about something else and it goes out of his mind. And so making a lot of jokes around each other's foibles, I think, can be very helpful in this way of, oh, nutty professor, could you go get my tea? As opposed to like just sitting there and simmering in the fact that like you have besmirched me. As opposed to being triggered by it. Yeah. I think that's the first step to what works is if you're having the same fight all the time is to recognize that you're being triggered. And the first thing you have to do is separate that from your partner's intent, like leaving the sink not quite clean, saying he was going to get your tea and then not every time, you know, that that like I'm not saying that shouldn't be triggering. Maybe it is. But then you have to separate like that trigger is a choice that you're making that is definitely separate from your spouse's intent. Yes. Or it might be. And I have to quote one of my dad's favorite 
sayings right now, which is just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't after you. And I think that what we're saying is we're talking about like healthy relationships where people generally have your best interest at heart. Right. Because it's also true sometimes that people are targeting you and are trying to make you feel horrible with their behavior. Are forgetting your tea on purpose. (laughs) And so just to be clear, like if someone is gaslighting you or targeting you or doing things just to annoy you or make you feel bad about yourself that's a bad relationship that probably can't be fixed with any advice that we come up with on this episode thank you for saying that you're totally right we are talking about the kind of things where like we're in a generally decent marriage with a person who genuinely usually has our best interest at heart but occasionally commits the venal sin of not cleaning out the sink You know what's my trigger? I'm just going to fess up right now because I'm thinking about how I tried to play out this stuff is not being listened to. Like if I'm interrupted before I'm done. Hmm. Give me an example. Oh, you know, we get in fights at the dinner table about, you know, current events, whatever, all the time. And one of my kids, not my spouse, one of my kids would be like, basically, you're just saying that like it's this. And I'll say, that's not what I said. It's basically what you said, but it's not. Will you just let me finish? What I was saying was this. And I have a couple of teenagers who are ready to think like mom is a dumb dumb no matter what anyway. And that like it triggers me. And rather than having a fight about respectful listening or whatever, again, I have to, I'm trying to take a step back and be like, why does it bother me so much that my teenagers think I'm not? I know. Can I tell you why it bothers you so much? Yes, tell me. Because you do a lot for your family and you don't feel appreciated. I don't. (laughs) And so this is the iceberg tip of that. That's right. Which is like, you won't even listen to my opinions. Right. And it's feeding into an overall narrative, not for you, for everybody, which is I give and I give and I give and in return I get kicked in the teeth. Yes, And I think that is something that it is also worth giving voice to because it's the kind of thing that I have often, I'm big on, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, I'm not going to be spoken rudely to in my house. That's a hill I'm willing Mm -hmm. to die on. I don't want to be spoken rudely to. That feels like there are margins around that, right? It isn't like everybody needs to listen to me is different from you may not speak rudely to me. That's actionable and specific. But I think that there is, as you decide, like, okay, this is becoming a manifestation of something that bothers me. I need a little more respect in this household, you know? I need to be taken a little bit more seriously in this household that if you can get at that in certain ways, it's useful. I liked this idea. Amy McManus is a family therapist, and she suggests coming up with an alternate response, which is instead of getting furious and I'm being interrupted or whatever, to come up with an alternate response that involves your saying that I probably wouldn't say I'm being triggered to my teenagers because that like the eye rolls that would ensue. Like, Oh, yeah. They would be triggered by you using the word trigger. Probably wouldn't use it. They would be triggered by the word triggered. But she says, tell your partner, whoever you're fighting with, that you're triggered and then own your feelings rather than blame them that you will change the dynamic. If you can say, OK, this is on me, but I just get this feeling that I'm never listened to when this happens. And I feel this way. It's back to that I statement stuff. But I do think you're more likely to get a at least neutral response if you don't lead with why do you always do this? Yes. And I think that it's very useful to think to yourself in these situations. Number one, why is this triggering me? Yeah. Why? Exactly. And then number two, very importantly, can this change? And it's possible that with two teenage boys, it's not changeable right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think in general, my mom was a family therapist and she would always say this to me. And it's such touchstone advice that I come back to again and again. Only address behavior that you genuinely believe can change. That's going back to the fight I have with my spouse. If I'm fighting with him that like you need to be my ex-boyfriend Irish bartender guy, That is never going to change. Why are we having that fight? It's on me to start accepting that behavior. Ted Lasso is Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso is Ted Lasso. And as my Aunt Terry likes to say, you can't get pizza from a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) So why'd I marry a pizza guy? Right. (laughs) Right. But you did. So like now you got to figure out, like, do you like your pizza guy or do you not? Yeah. Because you're never getting Chinese food from that restaurant. And I think that This is such like old lady advice, but that wrestling against life can be everything and being 
wrestling against life can be anything and coming into the comfort of life is your thing. You've made some choices and now you're in that space. It's just very freeing. It stops a lot of this crazy fighting. I have found that getting curious about the trigger and why it triggers me, so to speak, also lessens its power. Like when I feel like I'm being interrupted and I, nobody's listening to me. And if I can take a moment to say like, wow, I really don't like that. And why does that bother me? so much more than it might bother other people. Like, what is that about? And getting curious about that, it cuts its intensity in half because I'm really not sure exactly. That's actually an interesting question to me. Why am me? And can think about that. And it makes me less angry about it all of a sudden. Yeah. And then what are the absolutes that are involved in that? What is changeable? Right. It doesn't mean I live with it and just, you know, let everybody treat me like a doormat. But why, you know, my teenager interrupting me once I you know, make the same thing as being treated as a doormat always. That's not true. That's a story I'm telling myself. And the way to turn that reality around is at least half in my own head, I'm realizing. That's right. That's right. And even the story of I'm triggered by this because I feel I'm being treated this way. Like even are those stories even true? You know, I mean, sometimes I get like, well, no one respects me because I do everything for everyone. And then I have to examine that story a little bit, too. Like, is that really what's going on? Or am I just in this situation surrounded by like two young boys who are just discovering their own ability to voice their opinions for the first time? And we're going to have a little bit of a season where... I don't get to express mine as much, you know, whatever it is. Right. That there are always different stories and knowing what your water is. We talked about that David Foster Wallace piece, This is Water. Like, yeah, yeah. This is water. And really understanding where you are is important. It's not just like you're the only free radical (laughs) and that everybody else is a constant. That's how we think. Right. This isn't the Truman Show, right? We're all having our own stories. Right. This wasn't designed to affect you. The Truman Show, Amy, I hate to tell you this, is an oldie lux alert. Back in my day. Oh, darn it. But guys, if you haven't seen it, such a good movie. All right, we'll be right back. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practice after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. And now, classic husband fights from the What Fresh Hell podcast. The just because you can repeat exactly what I said doesn't mean you were listening fight. What? You were talking about your friend Jane or 
I don't know, Jen, the one who is annoying to you in some way. You were talking about her. The why do I have to remember everyone's birthday and shop for them, even though they're on your side of the family fight. Sweetheart, I don't know what kind of sweater my mom would like. The taking apart the dryer because why should we pay someone to fix it when I can do it myself fight. I should have this working by the weekend after next. At the latest, I just gotta figure out what part I need. The why did you bring this home from the grocery store when it's not at all what I asked for fight. If soy milk isn't real milk, then why does it say milk on it? The what? I'm supposed to give you a medal for doing six dishes? Fight. Knocked out the dishes, hon, except that gross one you did the chicken in. The one with the eggs from this morning. Uh, I didn't know what you wanted me to do with those. This has been Classic Husband Fights. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about what happens when you're on the receiving end of the same fight. Like we've talked a lot about our righteous anger about the dirty sink, but what happens? I mean, we're right. I'm glad I have you to lean on in this moment. But what happens when you're on the receiving end of that? And since the topic is the same fight all the time, like what happens if your spouse is kind of coming at you, your partner with you never, you always, and it seems a lot bigger than you left a pen on the couch. How do you receive that without like reacting in anger? Like how can you help in that situation to make it not the same fight? I'm not sure I know either. It's a good question though. (laughs) Oh, not my strong suit, Amy, not my strong suit. I think my answer is run away as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I really, really don't like being told anything about myself or given any insights about myself by other people. I like to give my insights to other people. That's much more fun. I think that you have to try to operate from your point of maximum generosity, that you have to try to listen to somebody saying, listen, nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And we often have the instinct to sit someone down and say, hey, listen, you're a really selfish person and your choices are selfish. And if you could change that, life would be better. But nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to be told that they're wrong. Nobody enjoys it. And so how do you make effective change? And I think that the way you do it is by addressing behavior. And so For me, I know that my husband has been able to say to me at certain points, when you kind of lose it and go nuts on everybody, it's a little too intense. And I think you perceive it as like you're having a bad day, but we kind of perceive it as overwhelming and scary. And so I have tried to be better at saying to my husband and my kids, one of those days, guys, not doing great over here. Let's give each other some distance today and let's not fall into stupid traps where I'm just angry at everyone and blowing up. Mm. And then when I do blow up saying to people, hey, I'm really sorry for yelling too much. You guys really scared me when you were playing in that dangerous way, you know, and I overreacted and I'm sorry that I yelled, but please be more careful. And kind of giving voice to it. Is that good? I think that's good. It's something occurred to me while you were talking. Eckhart Tolle, have you ever read any of his books? I would have said his name was Eckhart Tolle. Sometimes people call him Tolle. You can call him what you want. I'm not going to fight with you about that. I'm going to fight with you. (laughs) This is it. This is where the podcast ends. The pronunciation of this person's name. Do not even know this person's gender. I believe it's a male. Yes. He wrote a book called A New Earth, and I'm listening to the book right now on Audible. And then I'm also listening to this podcast where Oprah Winfrey and he like walk through each chapter of the book. It's heavy stuff and it's life changing. Okay, I would have said that Eckhart Tolle, as I know him, was dead like 100 years. I had no idea he was a modern person. No, he's got a weirdly youthful face. He (laughs) just recently, I was looking at a YouTube video he did last year. I'm like, are you 12 or 112? I can't tell. Who saw the deep dive on Eckhart, however you pronounce his last name on this podcast? All right, go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Let's agree to disagree. So he talks about the pain body and the pain body in this, you know, a large sense is just, you know, everything bad that ever happened to you in your whole life that you sort of carry around with you. And it's always looking for a way to get out. And you can't argue, he would say, with somebody who's in pain body, the pain body like draws energy from conflict. So if somebody's, you know, if your partner comes to you like, you're never listening to me, like, and they're having one of those days and you're on the receiving end of that, it's again, it's an opportunity. Again, let me preface, I'm not saying if you're in an unsafe situation, get out of an unsafe situation, right? I'm saying like, 
you're in a safe situation, but your really, really cranky spouse is giving you a hard time about absolutely nothing. It's their pain body. It's really about something else. And he says, if you can get curious, whether it's yourself or the other person about like, wow, like, where is this coming from? Because it isn't about the pen on the couch. So where is this coming from? Like, why is this so important to them? And observe it rather than get drawn into conflict with it that you will get to a peaceful situation much more quickly. And that has helped me a lot to recognize in myself and somebody else like, wow, I'm overreacting. There it is. There's the pain body. I'm really out to play today. For what reason? Maybe I don't even know. But you can explore that and understand that it's probably not the other person's fault that you are 10 out of 10 mad about something kind of stupid. Right before we got married, I said 75% of the time, if I'm yelling at you, I need a snack or a nap. I'm like a toddler. Yeah. And so just remember that. And there is that we have had fights where he's like, let's just grab something to eat. <laughs> let's get you to bed. Like he really does remember that, you know, we talk about this with toddlers, right? Like you look for their cues. Yes. And usually with a kid who's on a very regulated schedule with eating and sleeping, you can often say like, oh, they're throwing that train at my face because they need a snack or a nap. Yeah. And I think that you don't layer onto a toddler like they threw that train at my face because they hate me no they need a snack or a nap they're in the moment right right and i think that that can be a helpful listen if someone's throwing your train at, a train at your face as an adult it's time to leave mm-hmm. but if you tease out the metaphor a little bit that sometimes you can see oh this and people cannot abuse you for any reason people are not allowed to dump their nonsense on you yeah but you cannot accept the nonsense right and not like don't internalize it. That's it. It's not really, it's often about completely different things. And it's so often about this disconnect that we keep talking about, which is I see myself as a human and I see you as a lamppost to bang myself against. There's an important sort of corollary to the pain body thing I want to say out loud. A bad thing to do is to tell somebody who's in pain body, as Eckhart Tolle would say, or just like really mad at you for no reason, is to say, oh, this is your pain body, or here's that thing you do. You overreact about this because your uh, childhood home was so messy all the time. (laughs) But don't do that in that moment because it will create more conflict, not less. It's for you to think about and be curious about, but maybe not call them on the carpet for in that moment. A person who's feeling mad doesn't want to be told that they don't really have a right to be mad. It's not helpful. This is best summed up by the aphorism, no one has ever calmed down by being told to calm down. Yes. In the history of humanity, it's never happened. Though, I will push back a little bit and say for some of my kids who have a little bit more trouble regulating their emotions, as youngsters, it was helpful for us to give that state a name. Sometimes we called it red brain. Sometimes we called it, you know, hot man. We would give it funny names. (laughs) My sister-in-law called it Medusa and her daughter. Medusa, right? Medusa was out, yeah. I do think sometimes it's helpful to say, like, there is another entity involved here. And when Medusa shows up, we all know that Medusa can't be reasoned with. Yeah. And Medusa, you just need to, we call it with one of my guys, the angry bear. And we're like, you don't try to interact with the angry bear. You throw food at the angry bear and run away. Throw and run. (laughs) And so I do think that sometimes my husband, who I keep saying is like the most reasonable person alive, he is wildly unreasonable about certain things. And one of them is his football team losing. And in the beginning of our relationship, I helpfully tried to explain to him that that was ridiculous and unpleasant and stupid, that he should ruin the rest of our days because his stupid football team didn't do what they were supposed to do. Mm. And then I realized, oh no, that everybody needs their space to be Medusa. And so his Medusa is that we leave him alone for two hours after the football game ends, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't try to negotiate with Medusa. And we don't try to negotiate with the angry bear. I'm like, angry bear, here's some food. You have to put shoes on and have your backpack on your back by 7.50. Other than that, go rage around and stomp, angry bear. (laughs) Wake up screaming. It's fine, right? Yeah, so I do think that, like, yes, saying to someone, like, "Eh, you're just an angry bear and we can't even deal with you is obnoxious and being like, oh, that's your pain body talking. I could dismiss it. Right, right. No, but being able to say, oh, yeah, this is a mode that we can't really deal with, helpful. I want to talk about epic dangers advice because we've brought it up so often on the podcast and I do think it's helpful here. Again, epic danger is on Instagram and he and his wife 
have come up with this number system that is, it's so simple, but it's basically like your husband to you in that situation would be like the, my Sunday football game is like a nine out of 10 to me. It's very important that I couple of hours on the couch and you, you know, and then you say, okay, like I don't get football, but I understand it. It's like an eight out of 10 to me that we make time for the kids to talk to my mom on zoom once a week, whatever that sometimes our conflict can arise because we don't get each other's priorities, nor do we have to, but this numbering system helps you understand. Like if I could say to my spouse, when it's like an eight out of 10 to me that when you say you're going to clean the kitchen, you finish cleaning the kitchen. You don't wander away sort of two thirds of the way through because that makes me feel this way. And I know that's kooky, but I feel that you're saying my time is less important than yours, which I know is not your intent, but I'm like left feeling that way. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Is maybe a helpful way to not have the same fight. Yeah. And it also helps get out of the morass of you're always sitting on the couch while I'm working. Yes. And it's like, no, I just really want to watch football for four hours on Sunday with no interruptions. That's a big ask. But if it's a 10 out of 10 to him, then maybe you get something on the other side, right? And there may be times where it's kind of a no. Like my husband loves golf. Mm -hmm. And when we had three kids under four, I kind of took the position that golf is not a compatible activity with our lifestyle right now. Right. I mean, my husband works, you know, 60 hours a week out of the house at that time. And then he's home for two days, Saturday and Sunday. And one of those days, you're going to spend 10 hours playing golf. I don't see it. I'm sorry. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. I mean, if he had sat me down and said, listen, my job is really stressing me out. And this is the only way I can relax. I would have maybe made an accommodation for it. But he was willing to say, it's a long life. And I can play a lot of golf when the kids are in college. And I don't have to play it right now. Yeah. But those are the kind of conversations I think that sometimes we just skip the breakdown and we go right to you don't even care about your family because you work all week and then you want to play golf on the weekends. Yeah. And if you break it down or it becomes, oh, my God, life is such a drag. My nagging wife doesn't want me to play golf. The one thing I enjoy. <laughs> it's like, OK, that's those are two bad stories, neither one of which is true. But this was important enough, and I think you were probably certain enough that you had an important point of view, the correct one in this one, that you can't disappear for 10 hours on the weekend right now with three kids under five, like that'll come back, that you could have a productive conversation about it instead of sulk and then, you know have your spouse play guess the inciting incident, right? Oh, I mean, we did some of that too. Don't worry. We did that. We walked that road for a while too. But then I think eventually we just were able to have... I'll tell you what, there's not a lot about getting old that's good. But one thing I find as I get older, I just don't have any bandwidth for useless fighting. You do get more efficient. I don't want to do it. When I was... And believe me, I was a pro at this. I spent... 15 years of dating in so many useless fights. Loved it. Loved the fighting. Loved the drama. You know, I could throw things on a good day. I was really into it. And now I just feel like I have a busy, fulfilling life full of many interesting activities. And having long, sulking fights with my husband is just not interesting to me at all. I don't want to do it. I'd rather just sit down and say, here's the thing. If we go to your folks this time, then we'll go to my folks this time and we need to make time for both and let's work it out on paper. Done, done, done. Let's both be happy. Yeah. And one last thing I will say about that is then it helps. Susan Katz Miller, who we had on talking about interfaith relationships, she made this metaphor that I really enjoyed. I don't think it was even unique to her. The idea of this sacred circle that you and your spouse and your children form your own boundaries and rules and within it is the sacred circle and that that helps a lot of conflict too like we are going to decide that for these activities we're going to do them this way we're going to make our own choices and so much good comes out of having these conversations because you really make decisions about what's important to you and then you can really make that sacred circle and have kind of firm boundaries about what you do and don't want you solved it You don't have to have the same fight 40 times if you have good conversations up front. Right. If your conflict is productive, then you don't have to keep having the same fight. That's a good way to say it, because that's right. If you're in conflict for the sake of conflict, you've got kind of bigger problems than what we're discussing. We're talking about like, uh, can we make this a little bit better? And can we have conversations that don't find ourselves? I mean, that I'm 15 years married now and 
we had a lot of the same fight all the time for the first five years. We just kept having the same fight and then we both kind of got tired of it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of both had to accept like, I'm never going to be the person you want me to be in these ways. You're never going to be the person I want you to be in these ways. And we're going to just be happy in this middle space that we have and stop having these stupid fights because it's tiring. I kind of feel the same way, but I want to just make sure we underline as we go that fighting isn't bad in and of itself. Neither is therapy. I mean, if that's where you get to, that's a back to one that can be really useful. And what you're moving towards is more productive conflict. Absolutely. And I don't mean to say that 15 years in, my husband and I now like sit side by side, like (laughs) eating bonbons and being like, yes, darling, I love you. You know, I mean, we still fight, but I do think that we've gotten better about saying the kind of really I don't mind fighting about you know hey you dropped the ball on this thing and it meant a lot to me and it hurt my feelings and those fights are fine I just find the fighting the circular fighting that just goes around and around and around it's too exhausting for me at this point it's boring yeah solved it Amy we solved it we solved it that was a good conversation It was helpful for me to think it through yeah I feel like I got some stuff out of it too yeah yeah me too me too I like those I'm going to put the links to uh, Esther Perel and some of the other things we talked about today in the show notes for this episode which will be at whatfreshallpodcast.com and we want you to come find us where we are which is on the internet <laughs> so search <laughs> What Fresh Hell Podcast and you can find us everywhere mm, come to our Facebook page for sure facebook.com forward slash What Fresh Hellcast. join our community and you can have awesome conversations like this with a host of funny cool moms yeah we love our community thanks for listening everybody thanks guys we'll talk to you next week No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.